Welcome to the MacroFab Engineering Podcast. We are your guests, Eric Benzenhofer and Scott Hansen of the Idea Tank Podcast. And we're your hosts, Parker Dolman and Stephen Craig. This is episode 296. So thank you, Scott and Eric, for coming back on our podcast for the third time. Our pleasure. Yeah, we're happy to be here. Are we, are we, are we going to be welcome back after this? That's the real question that I'm wondering. I think every time you come on, your goal should just be to uh, come up with an idea either so terrible or so great that you're not welcome again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that may happen. So uh, Eric and Scott were on previous episodes 77 and 223. So go check those out. Um, so what what has happened in the last, because it's been what a year and a half now since last time y'all were on. Yeah, something like that. that I think right. we, we did something last, uh, maybe August, July, June-ish, somewhere in there. We were still in COVID. That's all I remember. Because that's all, that's what's It's even worse. Past. It was May 20, it was May 2020. Oh, wow. So, oh, so it, was it was over fresh, a year ago. Fresh COVID. Yeah. Mm. Fresh COVID. <laughs> that was a good kind of COVID. I think that was when we were still a little naive. Oh yeah, it was a uh, two weeks, right? COVID was supposed to be two weeks to change the curve or whatever it was. Two weeks to flatten the curve. So while ago, flatten the curve, yeah. Flatten yeah, the so, curve. That's what it was. So yeah. we did solve. Oh, we stopped doing the Idea Tank podcast officially, and we we stopped it because we solved all the world's problems. But every once in a while, we do have new ideas, and they just happen to coincide with when you invite us back onto your podcast. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, Parker and I just start generating new problems for the world, so we need you guys to come on and solve them for us. We're here to serve. Let's uh, let's give a quick little uh, kind of overview on what this podcast is like, because uh, this is this is a bit of a mashup, but but kind of when Macrofab and uh, the Idea Tank come together, we sort of do a, uh, a person by person. I guess just we throw out ideas and then discuss them, right? That, and these ideas solve some kind of problem out there. They're, they're, supposed, to, they're supposed to be million-dollar ideas. <laughs> or, or billion. Yeah, Hopefully. they change the world. Just saying. Or billion. They, well, wait, do they change the world or make a bunch of money, or do they change the world and make a bunch of money? They, they change the world, and they make us no money, but they make somebody <laughs> millions and billions. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the, the podcast started from the general, from Scott and I's belief that we love sharing ideas, but we also respect that 99% of it is the execution. So an idea, we, from that, we thought an idea is worth nothing. Let's see if we can make it worth something or at least have fun talking about it on a, on a podcast. And then, yeah, through our past episodes, if we would see one of our ideas come, come to life, uh, we, would, we would have a segment uh, called You're Welcome where we would take credit for, for it. But, you know, those are just the facts, right? <laughs> we put the idea into the, into the world, and then the world changed. So who are we to say it wasn't us? That's fantastic. Okay, so so in a totally seriously, have you had any uh, Your Welcome segments? Has anyone ever used your ideas? Oh, yeah. We've had a lot of Your Welcome segments. I mean, uh, I, can't, I can't really think of one off the top of my head, but... The, my, I had the idea for the Apple Watch, the heartbeat... That's true. That's true. And they uh, and they implemented that it one. after after our podcast. 
<laughs> That's fantastic. You, you had that one download that you could you could see that came from deep within Apple's headquarters. We, we traced <laughs> it back to uh, Steve Jobs himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Directly, yeah, and he shared whoever it with us. The, the new Steve Bob. All right, well let's uh, let's kick this off. I, I believe Eric, you said uh, you wanted to go first. So, what is your idea? Yeah, so I am going to perfect reviews. And so here's the problem. I think feedback without a framework is fundamentally flawed. And I did rewrite that to to do the alliteration. Every time you ask somebody <laughs> about a movie, a restaurant, a skill set, outside of small talk, you need follow-up questions. You know, like how many times you, you ask somebody for feedback, like, hey, how was that movie? And then they say like, you know, like, good. It's like, okay, what a waste of, of your conversation. Cause you, you know, absolutely nothing. So here's a solution, a simple five-star rating system. It's a way to fully understand someone's experience in one number, no decimals required or allowed. So this, this idea is called the five-star system. And basically I think in a lot of ways, you know, you, you have, you, you should you should have a simple simple ray system to collect feedback. I, I learned this first in in uh, my technical training training where they said if you're going to get feedback, um, you know one good thing to do would be to only have four options. That way, people have to make a decision. They can't just pick the you know the middle ground like eh, it was okay, whatever. It was excellent. It was terrible. It was good. It was bad. Um, but my, my system has one more number cause it's needed. And so, so he, it's based on the bell curve system. Imagine if you basically took that and applied it to, to getting feedback from people. Uh, a three is basically a good experience. It met expectations. Uh, and that includes like, you know, your normal feedback, which is you say like, Oh, how was the pizza? It was good. It was good or good. You know, those are, or good, you know, like those are all different types of feedbacks, but really that's all one. <laughs> There's a lot of nuance bubble. in there. Exactly. But, but in the end, you're getting the same exact feedback. It was a positive, non-life-changing experience and there's nothing more to talk about. So to rep- use my system, as someone says, Hey, how was the pizza? It was a three. You know, that's not insulting. That's not positive, but there's room to grow. So and in the bell curve, you have a, you have like, that's, that's the big middle part of the, of the bell curve It's 64%, I believe, uh, above that and below that are four and four and two, four is a great experience. That's when your, your expectations have been exceeded. And if you were to give a four to somebody, like if so, let's say somebody makes you food and it's like, well, how would you rate this? I, like, I give it a four. That's a way to, to convey like you've achieved excellence. You've done well. You've, you've, you've. I'm, I'm complimenting the work that you've obviously put into this. It's beyond what, what's, what's normal. But let's be real. There's got to be something more than that, right? There's life-changing experiences. There's, this is, you are of the top of the top and you might want to pursue this as a career. Or if, it's, or if it's food or if it's vacation, it's like I would recommend my friends to fly across the country for this. That's, that's a five. So five is life changing. Fly for it. Four is beyond expectation. 
this is a compliment, focus more of your life on this or drive across town for it. Then below is two. That's a bad experience. Like, how was that? It's like, it's not good. Like, it's, and that's really all you need to say. It's like, I don't want that again. But look, it's not a one. A one would be, this was detrimentally bad. The police might need to be involved. Yelp needs to shut this place down. Uh, They fundamentally failed at a level that I in no way expected. But my, my experience made the world worse. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I, now, I'm, now I'm clearly communicating to you, it will make your life worse too. So do not do this under any circumstances. And uh, so that's, that's the rating system. Uh, it does three things. It brings clarity to the world. It brings, you know, there's no, no reason for voice inflection, all that stuff. You, you, you ask, how was the experience? Give a whole number. Do you need decimals? We don't need decimals. You need to think about it more and give a real answer. Number two, it brings humility to your world. Are you being asked to get to get feedback? You make somebody some something, you know, how would you rate this? They give you a three. Don't feel bad. That's a good experience. But also, lower your expectations. I mean, what are your expectations about yourself? What are you the best at something? You know, do you have no room to improve? Have you put 10,000 hours into something? I think honest, clear rating systems give people the feedback they need to either acknowledge like, hey, you're, you're doing okay, or, but if you wanted to be great, you got room to improve. And also it gives you, gives you an expectation like, if somebody gives you a five, you, that might be your mother. And, you know, so disregard, <laughs> disregard that unless you're, you're in the elite might class. Might be your mother. And uh, finally, it brings uh, back kind of back to that, that final point. And I think school needs to adopt this rating system and probably used to adopt this rating system before it got soft. It brings focus into your life. I mean, w- have you guys heard people like, like, oh, yeah, how, how, how's your kid doing in school? It's like, oh, they're, they've got a above 4.0 GPA in high school. You know, our reaction to that is, uh, it's like, what well, what So you're saying like they're above, you know, excellence and nobody cares it's because it's because that whole rating system has been has been watered down to useless and so if the rating system was a real rating system then let's say you were at a school and you got a three you could feel good about yourself but no like there's nothing i don't know unless i put a lot more work into this uh there's nothing really here but if you got a four you might that might change your life because you think i put a lot of work it paid off and i have some potential here Four is employable. Four is, is, is excellent. Four is job security. Five is a signal to the elites that you're welcome to Antarctica to, to, uh, to join their crowd. <laughs> and uh, for something like a school system, if you, had, if you had a nation or a global math class, for example, you could get a grading that would really show you where you are amongst your peers. And something like that could, could be helpful. But again, do you need a five point or do you need a 4.125 and a 4.124? No, no, it doesn't matter. What bucket are you in? So that's the rating system. I think it would improve every conversation you have, unless you wanted the conversation to be long and verbose, which sometimes, you know, if you like people, you just like conversation. This will, this will cut things off because you ask them, how was your experience? You're like, it was a four. Follow-up questions not needed. You understand exactly everything that went on in their experience in their head. So that's really the only downside is it, it cuts off entertaining small talk. 
Parker, so, I think uh, you might be muted. I'm not hearing you come through. Can you hear me now? I, I got you. I'm just not getting Parker. Oh, Parker. I'm not hearing any tapping either. How many stars would you give your, your experience with Parker right now, Stephen? You know, and this one, okay. So I'm, I, this is, this is uh, probably a two because it's not functioning, but it's not a one because I want to continue uh, doing this experience with Parker. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Follow-up questions not needed. So what, 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 what's going through my mind? Okay, there's, there's, a, there's a handful of things uh, that I'll, I'll follow up on this while Parker's uh, doing on that. So, so two, the first two things that come to my mind is this is, this is perfect for introverts who, uh, w when, when somebody comes up to you and says, how are you doing? They can say three. Three is you don't need to ask me another question. Like everything, everything's fine. Like you can just expect it's, it's the same thing as saying fine or okay. If they say any other number that invites some degree of question for, oh, what's going well? Five, please tell me about it. Or mm -hmm. a two is, hey, is there a problem? Or one, we need to go talk about this right now. Uh, yeah. The other thing I can see, uh, uh, the other thing I can see about this is uh, parenting, where you can look at your kid and be like, you're acting like a two right now. I need you to be a three or better. And, uh, and, you know, it can connect pretty easily. Exactly, because that doesn't, that doesn't communicate that you want them to be, like, bubbly or happy or, or really, like, bring positivity to everybody. It's just, just, just be in the normal bubble. Just be neutral. That's fine. <laughs> um, so, what I like about that idea a lot, Eric, is it fixes the star rating system to begin with because people don't put like a four on something or a two on something. It's either the lowest, which is either zero or one star and then, or the highest, which is five star. People live in these in extremes. And I think that's if one thing people could learn is to not live in the extremes, especially in this current uh, political climate we are in right now. You see, yeah. I was gonna say yeah, that five or one, right? Is we need one of the one of one of the <laughs> comments that we got from the uh, our, our Idea Tank podcast was you guys just need to be more more extreme and and we need to have greater. So get get rid of the three in the middle. Get rid of the four, the two and the four, and you either love this thing or hate this. You're either the best or the worst. I feel like that's a very American way of, of looking at things. You're either the best person in the room yes. or the worst. I mean, person after all, who wants what, just was uh, Ricky Bobby said number two is first loser. Exactly. Right. Like who wants? Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you want the best coffee maker at home. So you want the five star coffee maker. You don't want the, the want the four or the three. You want the five star one. You want the five star employee. What if you just simplified it and it's just what what if you even simplified it and just went with no star or a star then? Scott? No star or a star, yeah. Oh so it's like getting that gold go. sticker on your on your on your report. Just super so, binary. 
So you either get a sticker or you don't get a sticker. Well, okay. So, so okay. So, Eric, <laughs> I, qu a quick question about the the rating system: Why five, and why not more than five? Well, I suppose it, it, it's because I want people to be decisive in their feedback. Like if you if you need something to be if you're saying something's a three point five because it was good but it was better than some other things, then the bottom line is that wasn't a four. That wasn't great. Now it could be. It sounds like it's on its way to being great, but whoever is receiving that rating needs to know that they did not break out of out of the bubble of the same bubble that can contains good, fine, and average. They're in that bubble. Yeah, when someone says something is good, it's it's highly subjective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do like how a four is like, like 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 or five is like world changing, right? Yeah, which is very different than great, a great, and which is very different than bad or world changing in the opposite direction. And basically, those four are so clearly different then everything else in between is, is really just in the three. It's kind of the leftovers. But that's fine, because we're not I'm interested in leftovers. There's, there's right? a really... I'm going to make my case for zero or one star. And uh, on the Idea Tank podcast, we had a segment for a while that we did called Best Idea Ever or Worst Idea Ever. And you get you throw an idea out, rapid fire. It's like, is this the best thing ever? Yes, we should do this thing. Or no, no, don't, just leave that thing behind. Yeah. That, I, I suppose if, if the goal is to get like immediate response, then, then binary is acceptable. Yeah. And if you it want might to do YouTube to the destruction channel. of society, but That's the we way can to all go. go to post Houston and hang out there <laughs> okay there's, so like a, there's a really interesting system. parallel here uh ha have you guys read 1984 the book uh mm -hmm. there's there is a uh, a thing called newspeak in there and and to make things easier for people to understand in terms of effectively ratings uh they just have good and bad and then you can say uh, what is it? Plus good or plus bad, and then double plus good or double plus bad, and it just makes things really, really <laughs> easy to scale, and everyone gets it right away. Well, I'm I excited guess that's a because six, uh, star rating. I mean, I'm excited because it sounds like then that is in our future. <laughs> so I will get my rating system. <laughs> We're marching directly towards that. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it. I do like how Eric wants to fix ratings and like it probably will actually improve mankind whereas scott's is like just going way off the deep end in terms of we want to like speed up the ruining of society with this rating system yeah and <laughs> that's good analysis too because that i don't know to take the less sensationalist route i just didn't think it'd be it is helpful to have clarity and it is it is it is helpful to know that it's okay to be average at something. And it's okay, it's okay to give that feedback as well. Uh, no, it's you shouldn't not, expect Eric. everybody you to be, to be great best. at something. 
I'm being totally physical. I like how the numbering system gives a very <laughs> default number for average. <laughs> no, it's but, actually true because the thing is, is barring the four people on this podcast, I mean, most people are not going to be the best at what they do. Correct. Um, all right, so let me let's do some examples. Uh, how many stars do you give Zima? One. No, no I'm gonna say stop. two. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two because I wouldn't prefer to drink it. Um, but there are many things that are worse than Zima. Okay, so are you saying that Zima is Would a you, bad so drink? I think, uh, yeah, I I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a bad drink. I, I think the thing is, like, would you actively avoid Zima? Two would okay. Does two a number two? Does that constitute active actively avoiding something, or does that just say like hey, I'm not into it? I think that's still a three. I think so too. Yeah, I, I, I because I mean, did you finish the Zima? <laughs> we're referencing the zimas we drank back in episode number 77 uh and i think i actually did so so you know uh, you're, you're probably correct it i should uh adjust my number to a three you know what based on that i'm giving it a four because i actually went back for seconds <laughs> well okay so that's oh, you, so would, you would recommend that a, zima to people it, is that something that you would drive across town like oh wow they got zima they got Zima in, in Sugarland. Let's take you a know, drive. Is it great? If if I was going to do it for like a a, because the thing is they don't make it anymore. So actually, probably At if I was point. going to pick up a six pack for like, you know, I mean y'all y'all brought it to the podcast as kind of like a goof thing. Mm -hmm. I, that's totally what it's perfect for. So yeah, I mean if I needed Zima as a prop, yeah. Okay. Part of the rating system would be that a group of people should be able to come to the same, the same bucket, right? Where subjectively people enjoy things at different levels. The analysis of, of say like a movie should, should be in the same bucket. Like, was that functionally a, a good movie? Okay. Yeah. They hit all the points. You might, some people might like it. Some people might not, but at least you made a movie. Whereas something like the Star Wars episode one, it's like fundamentally that was a broken movie. You you can enjoy the lightsaber, but we all have to agree that that's a two because it's broken. It it didn't it didn't work. Um, so this is kind of an interesting test. So, uh, Scott, w w what star rating would you give the Zima? Well, if I have to do the sensationalist rating of zero or one star, I would do a one star. Okay, and how about in the in the five star system? <laughs> in your in your in yours, I would I would probably say a three. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna go out of my way to to get it. I'm probably not gonna recommend it to a friend. There's other things to recommend, but it's not the worst thing I've ever had. So the the three is uh, yeah. It so hits, three out of four of us give well it in there. give it a three. Which I think should be helpful I, as well. I think that fits within a bell curve, right? Mm -hmm. Have you ever been in, in like a work meeting where you're trying to risk rank things or try to come to a consensus among the group? Uh, that's Probably. like daily. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and saying they, you know, some people, some people are like, is this going to be the most profitable idea? Is this this, this something that we can actually do? Some people are like, I'm hungry. And you end up with people just way off the map, uh, from each other. And then you don't get a consensus, but something like this could, could I think bring people together to give a, uh, like a, a sober review of, of, of something. So you at least come to a consensus on what it is and, and make better decisions. I, I think what this really hits off is just putting a rule set. I think it's what you said earlier on how you should rate something. Um, so I don't think the rating system itself really matters. It's just having a rule set that you ab abide by and then publish of like, this is how this rating system works. Um, yeah, like you're saying, itself is a good thing. That way, people are not scared to give a three to a restaurant. They shouldn't be. Yes, but I've actually done this where I've gone into Yelp and I thought that was an okay experience. That's a three in my in my book. But then I, I go into the rating system and I look up their definitions, and uh, sometimes they're they're like, remember when Wendy's had three sizes, and it was large, biggie, and great biggie. <laughs> those are the real biggie. three sizes of french fries and it's like well, what is this i you know so uh yeah i think i think exactly right parker it could it would it would kind of humbly bring everybody to the table and and you, you would get better feedback because otherwise you're getting five stars one star or or nothing yeah i like this idea i'm actually gonna i think i'm gonna Next meeting I have at Macrofab, I'm going to present this star rating idea. I'm sure it's going to go over well with our customer service department. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem, the problem with uh, things like rating on Amazon, you get a bunch of one stars because UPS screwed up shipping the package, and therefore mm -hmm. the product gets a one star. <laughs> yeah. But but a lot of it a lot of it boils down to if we all accept it culturally and we all have a, a decent understanding, then it can work. It just needs to be ingrained in our, uh, in our regular, everyday common speak. And like Parker was saying, everyone needs to at least have a general rule set on how it works. Yeah, and you can also divide things out. Like for a real practical case, um, I, I went uh, I, with a family member, you know, we, we went and watched a movie and I was trying to get them to rate the experience. And they and they were saying a four, but the movie wasn't very good. I mean, it was okay, but it was a three. And so we were able to separate. It's like it's like let's separate the movie from the experience because the movie, the experience was a great experience. But yeah, the the mm. but the but the movie did not deserve four stars. So you can separate things out. And and like for restaurants, I think Yelp could take this, and you could separate out your what you're reviewing. How was your food? How was your service? How was the atmosphere? Same thing with Amazon, like like you mentioned. You know, a delivery should not impact your rating necessarily. You know, okay, so that right there, I think, fixes maybe one of the larger problems with a five-star system where five stars perhaps doesn't have enough granularity, but uh, it has enough granularity if the question is asked correctly. Like, if you're just saying, like, globally, what are what number out of five that that you're supposed to capture so much stuff within that one number but yeah if you if the question is granular and you're rating individual questions that makes it a lot uh cleaner shall you say so 
to end end this this idea. So you die, go to the pearly gates, and God is there and goes, <laughs> "How was your experience? Rate from one to five. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they get to say what the rating is of you, not you get to say the rating. <laughs> no, they the, the well in theory, Scott would it would be Scott's system that whether would be, you got the gold star or not. You're in or you're out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Who wants to go next? I like that a lot. That was a, so. It's just the five star review system. The five. Yeah. And I, I expect right. Google oh. Yelp. Amazon to all become multi-trillion dollar companies separating themselves using this system. You're welcome. <laughs> That's a pre-you're welcome. <laughs> all right, Stephen, you want to go next? Yeah, sure, sure. Why not? Um, so I actually did a little bit of a write-up on this one. Uh, so in the past, when when I've given ideas on these episodes, they've been a little bit goofy. This one this one has some goofiness to it, but there is um, there's a little bit more serious behind this one. And I'm gonna preface this real quick for all of our listeners. There's hyperbole here in my little pitch I'm giving, uh, and it's not uh, intended to disparage anyone, uh, and it won't come across as that. But I'm just giving a. Uh, uh, preface there so my idea is called the college of above average joes where creativity meets practicality so so it's, it's a three-star college <laughs> I, we will i will ask everyone's ratings after i give the pitch and we'll see how you guys feel about this okay so colleges nowadays are churning out more and more students that seem to be less and less capable Although an average college student can crank out a 12-page paper detailing the juxtaposition between man and nature, they freak out when their kitchen sink springs a leak or when that little light that looks like an oil can illuminates on their car dash. All but the most driven students do the majority of their learning to be self-sufficient adults post-college and on the job. The College of the Above Average Joes seeks to change this. So, the College of Above, uh, Above Average Joes looks to provide an alternative to standard upper-level education, not one that is based on intense study of theory, but one that leans into practicality at every step. A degree from AAJ would tell your potential employer that you are well-rounded and trained to be a jack-of-all-trades. Graduating shows that you've been through a wide array of very practical training that equips you for any task that is thrown your way, either on the job or at home. Um, practicality is not the end-all be-all, however, and would be tempered with, with a healthy respect for creativity. All students would be required to demonstrate skills through creative individual and group assignments. So effectively, what I'm talking about is shop class for adults. Uh, I think upper level education nowadays uh, just really does rely too much on theory and we're not training people how to be anymore. And so uh, in looking at college level education, I think there is a huge sector available for very, very practical training for uh, people who are just leaving high school all the way up through whatever age you want to enter college. So. Courses that you could take at the above average Joe's college are 
uh, fall into categories like life skills, which is here's how you pay your taxes. Here's what taxes even are. Here's how to start a business. Uh, budgeting and saving uh, for your own finances. Just general communication with human beings. And then a class that is, here's how to learn. And here's how you figure out how to learn new things. Uh, there's also business skills like office communication, how to actually talk to people in the office, how to actually write an email and not look like a doofus. Um, things like project management and documentation. Uh, now, on some more of the uh, physical hands-on side, there's full-on mechanics, uh, which would be things like auto repair or even other vehicles. Uh, there's trades that you could learn, such as plumbing, electrical, woodworking. There's entire uh, sections devoted to cooking, gardening, and lawn care. And what a lot of this sounds like are classes that you might take in say high school and you might take one or two of these but what if you went to a college where you took most of these and you learned things like oh here are regulations in plumbing here's how to actually fix something in your house uh electrical work you actually have to wire up uh, a light switch for a house or install a fan in some kind of fake setting uh and I, I know it seems like, well, you know, these things already exist. You can go take these classes. Sure. But what if there was a college where you actually graduated and had a degree in all of these things? Now, this doesn't necessarily make you a journeyman or uh, make you prepared for every single one of these jobs. But think of if you were to hire somebody. Think of if you had to choose for one of your positions, somebody who... Uh, got a four a four year degree in uh, whatever whatever degree, and you were you look at their coursework and like okay these people are capable of what a four year degree requires. Or you look at a guy and he slaps down a resume and says I am an above average Joe, and you know that that person can take care of their work, but they can also take care of their finances and they can also take care of things around the office that maybe the four-year college student couldn't. So in addition to all of this very practical work at AAJ, there would also be a heavy emphasis in creativity because I feel that uh, one of the best ways to actually hammer down and learn and understand a skill is to apply it in a way that makes you happy, in a way that really allows you to express yourself. So I think that in addition to learning things like plumbing or woodworking or whatnot, you would have creativity classes that happened every semester where you apply these things in perhaps a non-standard way. That's where the creativity meets practicality. So say you have an idea on how Artistic to make some plumbing well the, plumbing is a great example let's say you have some creative project uh that is to create some kind of a sculpture well if you've gone through the plumbing class you know how to go to home depot and you know how to get all the fittings you need and maybe you could make a sculpture that's iron pipe or pvc or something like that and the reason you know that is because you went through plumbing school at aaj so every semester you get to apply all of these concepts uh, to something that is creative and you leave the college with some things that you're proud of above and beyond them actually being practical and functional. 
So uh, let's see here. Oh, uh, another example. Um, just someone has an idea or they see something on, on uh, social media or YouTube about some cool like woodworking project. Well, you don't have to be afraid of like, I can't do this because you've gone through the wood shop and you've known, you know how to use all the tools to it. So instead of the actual execution of the process being the scary thing that prevents you from accomplishing something, it's more just uh, the world has opened up because you're capable of doing all of these things. Um, and the idea with this is not that everyone takes plumbing or not that everyone takes auto repair. When you go to AAJ, you get to pick and choose sort of like general studies, but very practical concepts from general studies that apply to so many things uh, that you get this giant bucket of here's all the things I can do. It's like a trade school, but all the classes are the 101s of those trade schools. Well, but there could also be 201s. Uh, so if you okay. really liked plumbing, you could go deeper into that. And, and here's kind of, here's something that actually sparked this idea. And this is, this happened to me the other day. We had uh, at, at my office, we had a problem with our security system and, um, the uh, we couldn't alarm uh, we couldn't arm our security system because one of the sensors was was off so i uh, i just called up the company because the owner hit me up and was like hey can you take care of this sure i'll take care of it so i call up the uh, the alarm company and i just start talking to the person on the phone they're not even in the same city as me and uh i was like hey blah 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 we can't arm our system and i don't know how it was uh how it came about but i mentioned that i was an engineer uh, oh, I think she, she was like, are you the owner of the company? I was like, no, I'm, I'm an engineer here. And she goes, oh, you're an engineer? She starts typing and she starts emailing me all of these instructions on how to figure out what's wrong with the system. And she said, I'm sending this to you because you're an engineer and I think you could probably fix it. And, and I'm sitting here like, there's nothing about my schooling whatsoever that makes me qualified to fix a security system. Like, legitimately nothing. Uh, but there's this concept that like, oh, these, this person's technical or this person has some kind of handy skills, therefore they can do this. Well, what if we started churning out people who were capable of doing that? You know, if someone who's at the office and is like, oh, I hear the sink is running or dripping, I'll just go ahead and fix that as opposed to calling maintenance or, you know, spending a bunch of money on all these, all these other things. How do we create jack of all trades without the person just wanting, like becoming that because they desire it? I think the college of AAJ is the way to do it. And uh, the, you can call the degrees like Bachelor of, of Functioning Adults. <laughs> well, okay. Adulting, adulting. Yeah. Bachelor of Adulting. <laughs> and that's why, that's why the very first thing I said in there is life skills. Like when it yeah. comes to paying taxes, did... Did anyone teach you guys how to pay taxes? I don't even think my parents taught me how to pay taxes. The first time I had to do it on my own, I just stumbled through it. I mean, yeah, sure, like there's you if you're resourceful, you can go figure it out, but like we don't teach these kinds of things. We don't I, I, necessarily teach how to save money or budget in a family. So I Steve and I have argued over like math classes a lot, but having a class on like these are what you will like math things that you would have to actually know on a daily basis, like calculating tips. That's an American thing, but yeah, like calculating percentages in your head to, for tipping. And, you know, I didn't even mention like there's, I, I, there's 
in, in this course list I gave here, it's if, if you're looking for a traditional education that has the theory in it and that has the, I guess, the mind expansion in the way that uh, we look at it nowadays, there's plenty of colleges out there. So this coursework does not include calculus. This coursework does not include, you know, uh, uh, literature from 1800 in, in, in England. Uh, if you want to go study those things, please be my guest. But uh, the College of AAJ is going to be more like, hey, if I go to Home Depot and I'm trying to build a deck, do I need drywall screws or do I need deck screws? You know, it's things of this, uh, a lot more practical concepts and ideas that most of us just learn by Googling, right? Right. YouTube videos. And, yeah, and watching videos, which is basically, which is basically a, an, an apprenticeship in a way. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Oh, I'm going to call myself a YouTube apprentice. Yeah. I I love this idea. Yeah, I mean the value there is is Put that on your resume. Understated. I think actually one uh Eric is hitting on something there is you should have a class that is you mentioned like how to learn, but um how to look up and research things with modern tools because when i was in school like in public school like we learned like the dewey decimal system which you never even use after you left that at well we we never used it because like once we got into the world the internet was a thing now um but before the internet that was like the way to go look something up right at the local library um I wonder if they teach kids that, like, how to properly use the internet to research things. Because I remember, what was it? We, we, we couldn't use Wikipedia as a source uh, when I was a kid. Um, but you could just go to the source in Wikipedia, and then you can use that source. So um, I think that would so be a big part I love of this it. idea, but I think it has one I want to go downfall. back. And uh, the... You, so you probably spend a year or maybe two years at, at AAJ, and then you've got this you've got this practical experience. But then you probably have to go back to college to get a you know a business degree, an engineering degree, or whatever type of degree you want to get. So I would I would propose that that you take AAJ and incorporate it into the curriculum at college. And instead of, you know, you take like history 101 when you're an engineering major, like you don't need that. So instead of taking history 101, you take your hist your plumbing 101 or your woodshop 101 at the college level to earn like a, a associate's degree in adulting. <laughs> And you just strip away. You strip. You strip away all the BS class. Doesn't this sound like a 1920s pitch? I, I think the biggest problem with this is you have to make that piece of paper you get at the end worth something. And I guess it, like because all all you're trying to do is get past what was it the HR pit of doom when you're applying for class for for jobs, right? And so does that slip of paper from above average Joe's help you do that.
You're a proven adult. Especially if you if you've met someone tomorrow that had one. I, you know, what Parker said initially, I think, I think he hit, hit the nail on the head. Cause this is similar to an idea that Scott and I went through, where it's basically using the star rating system to, to pressure students into what they should be doing with their lives, and that you drill them through every topic under the sun with difficult assessments. And that way they, they can, at the end of, say, like middle school phase, they have a list of their ratings and maybe just one or two things were level fours and the rest were threes and twos. So they know this is what I should do because I have an edge over my peers, not just my peers, in my class, but maybe even the whole country. Um, I feel like something like that would be a good precursor to your school as because if you do all that and you end up with all threes, Again, that's not bad, but you should not be going to something that's competing with fours, like like a like a university. Um, you should go to something like yours and learn real functional uh, skills to get you hired. Yeah, I like that. the The interesting thing, though, is uh, at I know at. Uh, uh, when I was 18 and, and looking towards going to college, I didn't have the same mindset that I do today and things were perhaps a, a tad bit less cutthroat. I'm not necessarily saying they are today, but um, it's it's a lot different. Uh, th like the world was a huge opportunity then and now it's quite a bit more narrow for me. Uh, so it was, it was, it would have been really hard to rate things back then because I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Do I like that? Am I really sure about it? Whereas today it would be a lot easier to be like, I can't stand this. I won't do that. Okay. So here's a key difference. You shouldn't be rating. I think that's the fundamental problem with education, right? Is they say, what do you want to do? Cause what do you know? Mm. You have no idea. It should be right. the, the assessment should be telling you where you should focus and where you, you are potentially valuable, where are your strengths? And then you as, right, like as an ignorant 16 year old, you well, what do you wanna do with your group? I don't know, but I'm good at this. So I guess I'll focus there. But yeah, that, otherwise everybody would pick, I mean, I was going ice hockey. That was my, my selection. That was my five star <laughs> option. <laughs> but I, that's a major flaw of, of are you talking about forms of government that control the uh, means of economic production Eric aka communism obviously the government should should be in charge of all of this I mean my view on government is you let the free market do stuff that's uh, you let them do it. but if you really want to get something accomplished the important stuff you bring in the government so with this one for <laughs> sure it's like uh, not to get super too nerdy here, but it's like the sorting hat in Harry Potter where they put it on one person's head. They're like, you know, doctor, lawyer, yeah. sacker at the grocery, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, what a service that would be. Because this sounds like a 1920s pitch for high school. It sounds like a pitch to a society who only has middle school, quote unquote, the eighth grade education. They give you just the basics and generalities. And then from there you go to life. And it's somebody coming in saying, we need something beyond just the basics. But even you hear it in our conversation, we're assuming that this is college because I think high school has failed us so much. So, yeah. It sounds like what high school should be here in America. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's something fundamentally wrong with education to where it devolves into what we have. Because, again, at some point there was no high school and they said we need something more. They added high school. Then now everybody's going to college and now they're saying we need more of that as well. So many people are getting master's degrees. So there's something fundamentally broken about how we, in the feedback loop of, of education, which I think that your school would be a response to. Um, if, and, and I'll, yeah, I'll recap, we, we said unrecorded because in, in, in your, in your pitch, it's, it's back to that, that mentality of first learn, you know, learn the basics, reading, writing, arithmetic, then learn a trade to fall back on. And what you covered in there was, you know, home-based trades, uh, office, you know, valuable to an office trades and then actual trades. And because I think that's kind of makes sense the way you would live life is learn a basic thing to make money. If you're good at that and you can do something more, then now you have money to spend on, on college. I think what, what we did with engineering is we kind of, we kind of, you know, put all our money into hotels right away and mortgaged all of our properties, right? Because we said, we said, we're just going to jump right over the trade because we think we're valuable. We're going to be valuable enough. We'll learn all this stuff and prove it. And then there will be companies to kind of burn, a ha- you know, six months to a year on us because of the potential. And it pays off. Like, you know, two years into a job, I'm doing stuff that I know is valuable. And it was worth that six months of just me being lost. Um, but that's not for everybody. So that there, there's some, I think there's something, there's a filtration need on the, on the front end of this. I'm going to, I'm going to counter here too, that, so we've got our oldest kid is three years old right now. And we're, we're making that trade of, you know, do we do public school or do homeschooling? Um, and one of the things that we really like particularly about homeschooling is, the ability to teach them and train them to do this type of stuff and through different types of one-off classes here or there at, at, uh, when they get, in, get into high school. And um, I'm debating whether to uh, steal your idea and, and call our home our home school the, the school of the above average Joes. <laughs> so that when they graduate Is, he, is your kid's school, name Joe? Because that would be awesome. I think we might have to change it, so... And they're oh, okay. all going to be named Joe, so all of them. <laughs> and we'll give them one, two, three, four, five. Not to not to reference stars, though. But um, <laughs> uh, no, that's. Um, I, I think you see that a lot with homeschoolers of wanting to do that, keep them home to to get those life skills that when they go to school, they're just learning about whatever. Um, and I'm not discriminating very well, but um, learning unnecessary skills um, where they're not going to be prepared to have a family um, uh, or be a good employee. Not, not saying that, that school doesn't do that, public school doesn't do that, but um, uh, I, I will say that. My, have you heard of Mike Rowe? <laughs> Uh, yeah, have you heard of Mike Rowe? He's the Dirty Jobs guy, and he his whole like post Dirty Jobs work is he realized that these people that were doing these dirty jobs that like some of them were making really good money, um, 
but more than that, they, they were enjoying the things that they were doing. They might not have been making the most money, but they were enjoying the things that they were doing and their level of satisfaction and their, their home life was just, was great. And they loved it. Um, and there's something satisfying of like fixing your own things and, and doing physical labor instead of, you know, spending all day in front of a spreadsheet or editing requirements documents, which I may or may not have done recently. So, or making podcasts <laughs> <laughs> on, on that. It also stems from, I know we're going to go way down this, this rabbit hole is there. there it's unfortunate that there's a lot of, um, families out there that also treat or have to treat like public schools, especially here in the States as like daycare. Um, and I think, I think actually making a, a good idea for above average Joe's is maybe that's like a, a facility that multiple, like, cause here in Texas, like you have multiple schools that are like in a district. I don't know how that's elsewhere in the United States, but um, but you have a you would only need like maybe one or two of these per district, depending on how big the district is. And you go there after school because like school ends at like three o'clock or something like that. And then you have like three hours where before your parents get home. Well, you go to a AJ and learn this kind of stuff. Let For me. Sure. Let me, Stephen. Let me describe, especially if if y'all are in a position where you, where you're hiring. Um, Praxis is a company, and their idea was, we know they they know that there's 18 year olds who don't fit the mold, and they see that that the ROI on college is questionable, and so what they did is they they created a program, kind of like a like kind of like a coding boot camp, but for sales marketing. Uh, project management, customer success. I think those were the four, the four divisions. You pay them, you pay them money. And what they do is for six months, they give you basic training and they help you find a job, you know, including those life skills of how do you look for a job? How do you present yourself? Well, how do you interview? Um, you do that. And after six, six months, you're employed. And then they they average fifty thousand dollars for for the for the entry level position. So as an eighteen and a half year old, you're employed with fifty thousand dollar job, and you're for the rest of the year, you're working your first job and you're talking to this 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 group praxis about like how do I handle this? How do I talk to my boss about this? What's you know what's going on there? And it's basically like a launching pad uh, into your career. Now for that, it's they're charging twelve thousand dollars. Which sound, which sounds like a lot of money because it is a lot of money, but it's also comparable to a year of school, and they have a ninety plus percent of of landing somebody with fifty thousand dollar job. So the ROI is right there in the face, in, in your face. Um, what do you think about a program like that relative to what you're thinking with 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 your school? I, I think that totally that fits within. Um, within the, uh, the the concept of what I'm going for it but it seems to be perhaps uh, maybe not not a full the full portion of everything that that's uh, going through my mind because that's teaching you direct like how do we get you into a job as opposed to how do we give you skills that you'll use for the rest of your life which a lot of times those are the same thing but uh, you know are, are they going to teach things like 
maintaining your home or taxes or, or whatnot at a school like that? Probably not as much. No. Uh, and that's not necessarily a problem. So what it, what it sounds like is I, I think that is fantastic. And I think that is perhaps 60, 70% of what AAJ would be. Yeah, the, the feedback loop, I think, is the thing that really stuck out to me is what drives your curriculum? Because I think that's what's broken and missing is, I mean, how much have how much differential equations have you have y'all used? How about the same amount as <laughs> we had a podcast about it the other week? I we used my like first one since college. <laughs> so as useful Just as the, the Dewey week. Decimal System, right? Uh, so effectively, yeah, slightly more useful, slightly more. Okay, but by one. But for the amount of time we put into differential by equations and Cal three and and integrating over 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 volumes, it's insane. That I think that's the key and the fi- that what would fix uh, education is that feedback loop needs to be reestablished to where you running that program, you would always be talking to employers. The question not, would not be what's value, what, what's a valuable skill. It's like what do what are people willing to pay an av- you know a medium salary for. That's what's needed. So my pushback there is, is on the art part of it, right? Is, is, uh, I feel like that's, that's why would you take, let's say a three-star student who's, uh, who's saying, all right, I get, need to get real practical real fast with my life. Cause I'm not a four star in anything. Um, let me learn plumbing. Why are you torturing this, this person by making him, make a sculpture out of pipes. Well, okay, so there's there's a lot to unpack there. Uh so it I wouldn't call it torture. Uh first of all, but uh the I think one of the the biggest things is uh in order one way to really solidify the knowledge that you have gained is not through a very functional test, but it's through something that you generate, something that you want to accomplish. It's something that stems from you, as opposed to a professor saying, make sure that these two pipes connect together. Sure, that is incredibly important. And if you took plumbing class, that is what you would learn because that is its function. But being able to uh, wrap your mind around um, how do I manipulate materials to get what I want out of it and I already have the basic functionality of I know how to connect pipes together um, I believe will uh, solidify those skills quite a bit more than just extra time uh, in plumbing class so you need to do a thesis on on PVC pipe I, the, I suppose I if you want to call think, it thesis, you I could. don't think you should force someone to do art, but you could just have them. I mean, it could be they go plumb a house. Yeah, how you would know, you compare yeah. those two experiences? I think I think perhaps too much practic too much practicality can be an issue. I believe. Um, I th- I believe there is a lot to learn from. Um, not having very rigid boundaries on the work that you're accomplishing. And and in in the creative world, the boundaries are entirely set by you, right? I I got it. I got it. So instead of having, so let's say you don't want to do the art thing. What if you had to plumb a house incorrectly? Like you had to make sure the plumbing didn't work. Because that would require way more creativity than actually plumbing the house. Like right? you turn on your kitchen sink and it turns on your shower. 
Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and, and that would be a really great way to generate the exam for the person who has to redo your work. <laughs> and fix it. <laughs> Love <right>? it. <laughs> Do you think there's some? Do you think that 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 um, that aspect is only attractive to a certain group of people? Like to use, to use my system, is that the people that are fours, but they like to plumb, so they they're so they get bored with the basics. And I'm also wondering if this is a shared thing with. I mean, I'm talking to an engineer who's doing an artistic outlet, outlet, right? So is this something that maybe that reflects more of what you are, or do you think this is? for every single person who wants to learn should should have a, a creative expression of what they're learning? There's multiple answers to that. I mean, of course, because I generated it, it, it there's a lot of biases that I would have loved to have gone to a school that was like this. That I think that a school like this would have very much spoken to me. In fact, if, if, I, if I had enough time, effort, and money, I would have loved to have gone to two or three or four years of this and then gone and got an engineering degree uh, because I think something like this would have equipped me a lot better even though I accomplished my degree in the allotted time I needed to I feel like there's so much more I could have gained from this that I could have taken to my engineering degree um, and I, I've always had creative outlets uh, that that involve engineering but also mechanics and working with my hands and i've seen the benefit that that's done for me and the perspective that's given whenever i approach a new problem and so i do think that i have uh, a, a unique way of understanding the value of not having those rigid rules behind this is what you must do to accomplish something and so creating or not creating having students do something that is creative i believe is is absolutely worthwhile but of course, hundred percent of this is biased. Yeah, <laughs> I think this idea is I think above Steve... average. It's like at at four, maybe maybe a five. I would probably, I would probably send my kids to a a school like this. I think if you incorporate this into like a after high school program, um, it would be a five for sure. Yeah, I would. If this replaced high school our education system would be four stars. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. Very cool. All right, I'm going to jump into my ideas because I think Scott's is actually going to be like an awesome idea and mine are not, and I don't want to end on two terrible ideas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, because mine are like, we had some like three, we had some pretty good philosophical ideas so far and uh mine are the typical ideas that i come up on this podcast Great. um so the auto it's, it's uh, so, so what if you had an automatic pool cleaner because those exist right but the problem is they're boring to look at they're just big hunks of plastic and they kind of just like make noise and kind of like gurgle and you have to go clean them and that kind of stuff but what if it looked like an otter yeah. Giving you the automatic 2000 pool cleaner. <laughs> Love it. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah, that's great. So far, the name is five stars. Guaranteed. <laughs> Change the world. <laughs> but you can have different creatures. You can have like sharks, maybe something like that. Because um, your kids will love it. I mean, it'll look, it's an otter. It's going to be so cute. Uh, fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. I okay. love this. So, yeah. That, that's why I, we didn't yeah. end with that one. 
<laughs> um, so my other idea is with all this cryptocurrency that's been going on, um, what if you had a coin called FriendCoin? And so what FriendCoin is for is just a cryptocurrency between you and all your friends, and you exchange it for like uh, for like doing um, like if you need to borrow a tool or you need to go help you know lift the the barbecue pit up in the backyard. So you exchange this as currency for like favors and that kind of stuff. You would like but to give a way to actually keep track of favors. It keeps it keeps track of favors in your group of friends. But what's using what's a the base currency? So you, you know it's not fungible. What was that, Eric? Yeah, yeah what's the base currency? Funcoin. But right, like so. So how do I determine how many fun coins are you borrowing this microphone versus me borrowing your car? Ah, so you'd have to determine what each one is worth, I guess. I guess you could just do one coin for one coin for a favor at the start, and then you start banking on, you know, how many uh, coins is a car worth to borrow versus you, uh, a microphone or... Can you mine friend coins? That, 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 <laughs> that, that would be the thing, is how you would get more currency is you have to mine it. And so that's so you could be that one person in the basement that just gets all like he's like the whale of of favors. Right. Yes. So so if you're the guy who has a truck and and spends every Saturday going around moving your friend's stuff like that person is just filthy rich in friend coin, right? Filthy rich in friend. <laughs> They're coin. mining like actual and mining. I, so in our, our, our Twitch chat, DJ says um, one friend coin would be like one beer which i think is actually a good idea well so like so so if you were going to do a favor for x beers it would be that many x friend coin so it's like a beer i kind of like this idea (laughs) but the problem with beer is you drink it and so it goes away friend coin is forever well until the you could redeem friend coin for beer though yes you could So it's money. So (laughs) well, it's money. It's money, but it's keep. It's it's just keeping track of favors. So where I thought you were originally going with this idea was uh, street cred. You know how you talk about somebody's got street cred. I thought you were going with a very intangible thing. Mm, Yeah, I I see. Okay, so funny enough, DJ uh, DJ in the chat make makes a good point. if it, if it is based on on beer, the fact that you drink it is what makes it valuable because the currency actually disappears. Like it actually gets destroyed. So there there ends up being an inherent value but, in it. But then you're well, yes. And the so the miners of your brew coin are the homebrewers. <laughs> this coin just keeps changing based off of what it needs to be, right? That yeah. prevents inflation by drinking it. <laughs> All right, I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this idea a two star, and I'll and I'll I'll back, I'll back this up because without the, I'll say two stars without the beer, and this isn't a beer thing. This is this is this is I'm gonna turn this into a Bitcoin thing because I'm giving you just revealed that Bitcoin is a two star idea, Ooh. fundamentally broken <laughs> because we could not answer the question, but what is it? 
And we immediately said, you're right. We need to have this, this magical coin be set in some sort of framework. And we had your, mm-hmm. your, your beer-backed uh, currency. It had some, some sort of stored value to base this all, all on. So I think uh, with the beer, I give it a solid, a solid three stars just because I think you could use, uh, uh, oh, cause it's favors. So we need a, we need, well, so we need a federal beer reserve mm-hmm. that our <laughs> currency is, is tied to. Yeah. Every brewery is, a, is a local mint, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a three idea. Mainly. I think it's a three that could become uh, a four. Uh, it, it has a lot of potential, but at the moment, it's like, nah, I like that idea. Yeah, I think I think the issue with it is um, mining it because then if you if you the that's actually the problem with with cryptocurrency is is the, the early adopters are the winners, right? With with cryptocurrency, hmm, multi level marketing inverse success funnel right there. <laughs> um, the and so, if you get in early on Friendcoin, you have you can generate more favors earlier on. Mm. Get free free uh, free people with trucks to help you move. Yeah, but favors don't <laughs> uh, have inflation, right? A favor a long time ago doesn't become less Ten valuable. You're right. You're right. A favor is a, a favor does not inflate or deflate. It's a favor is a favor. Yeah. See, I think with this idea, you just have to get your group together and say, hey, we're all going to go this together. And you've got 10 friend coins or whatever. And those friend coins can be broken down to to very small values. So you can like, I'll trade you a tenth of friend coin if you come help me move, (laughs) move my couch or move this mattress or chop down a tree or whatever. And so you can break it down that small and you can have a a. Uh, accept or reject button where the person on the other side is like, hey, I reject that, but if you pay me two-tenths of a bit, uh, friend coin, I'll help you. Yeah, I like that. And and th- there's other tasks that, like, if you're, uh, say you're going out of town and someone needs to watch your dog, uh, that could be like, oh, 50 friend coins. I'll give you 50 fen- friend coins for, you know, a weekend of watching my dog kind of thing. All right, I got to change my rating. I'm giving your idea a four because I think it's great. And I love the idea of keeping track of all the favors I had and what I'm owed and everything. But now I'm giving myself a two star because I'm a horrendous person for keeping a record of (laughs) all the good deeds I've done to others. (laughs) That's actually exactly my brain was going at. I'm like, this is actually a terrible idea. Yeah, great idea. It makes us terrible humans. But yeah, it makes yeah. us terrible for loving it. Yeah. Uh. Okay, Scott. All right. So I am going to send you, yes, you, into space. So over the past, you know, 10 years, um, we've really seen a transformation in, in space. Uh, I think most notably over the past year year and a half um we've seen spacex blue origin uh virgin um launch people into space uh last week or two weeks ago now like inspiration four was a uh a private 
uh, mission, the first one where it was just private people flying into, into space. And now you, you see a lot of billionaires sending themselves up. Uh, uh, Richard Branson did it uh, in July. Uh, Jeff Bezos did. Um, but but the problem is, is they're, they're billionaires. And even the Inspiration4 crew, the main guy on that was a billionaire. And so it's just like a billionaire and his friends. Like, hey, come on, join my, join, join my spaceship. So I want to know how us regular hundred airs can can fly <laughs> on these space spaceships without like having to sell my house um and the answer how can you send someone from the college of average joes to exactly space? yeah there should be a class there of like how do you fix your spaceship yeah yeah so, soon there will be because we'll all be flying into space but i'd want an average joe sitting next to me if i was going to space mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer right now is reality TV. So this TV show is called <laughs> The Astronaut, and oh. it, it, yeah, it's similar. It's similar to The Apprentice, Survivor, those types of The Contender, those types of shows, um, and where you have people go through all the types of training that they do for astronauts. So you've got your, your like water survival, you've got do isolation training. You do non, I don't know what you call it, non-isolation training where you just sit in a, in a bathroom with like five of your best friends or whoever, strength, total strangers. And um, you go through centrifuge, you do, you fly in a jet, um, you might go into the MBL, the big water tank where people float around, the neutral buoyancy lab. You do the vomit comet. Like those are all distinct episodes within this, um, within this uh, TV show. And um, you need a you need a sage too. You need like your Donald Trump person. And so we still got a few of them left. So it's really important that somebody does this idea like tomorrow because they're dying quickly, but you need an Apollo astronaut, somebody that's walked on the moon to be the, the sage and like rank these people of like, no, you, you are not good enough to be an astronaut, get out of here. And it's gotta be a, like a Gene Kranz type figure maybe too. Um, or like, uh, you know, Neil Armstrong's dead, but you know, Buzz Aldrin's got a lot of spunk in him where he could be crotchety and and just the right amount of, uh, of boldness, uh, too. Um, and then you also get input, uh, from social media votes to, to see who you want to fly in space and who you don't want to see fly in space. Um, and so it's just regular application process. So people apply, um, uh, to, to try to get on the TV show. And there's a catch to this though. Have you guys ever heard of the Bar- Barkley Marathons? No, I don't think so. No, I've not so heard of that. The the Barkley Marathon is it's kind of notorious for being one of the the um, I don't know how to put it the the cruelest ultra marathons uh, out there. Um, it's uh, uh, when you get a, a, a you have to apply to it, um, and when you get a accepted to it, you actually get a letter of condolence. Uh, in the mail, um, mm. and the thing about it is, is it's they don't mark, they don't have a, like a start time, they don't really have the trail marked um, where they're running. It's sixty or hundred miles. 
um, instead of it's a loop, and so instead of doing the loop like three loops one way, you do one loop one way, and then you turn around and do it the other way backwards, and then you do it around again. So it's really really hard. It's really difficult, and they always and you have a lot of guys that that come to this race that are you, you, these are the proudest the, the best ultra marathoners that try to do this race, but you always they, he always picks one or two guys that that have no reason for being there at all like the out of shape dude that is performed really well but really wants to do it and so you do that with this astronaut you you pick somebody that's like the complete underdog of like this guy has no earthly idea he doesn't want you like he's afraid of heights he gets motion sickness easy and you pick him to be to be in this so the astronaut that's that's my uh that's my idea for for here so i have a really good idea for season two of this i love this idea oh it's amazing season two is everyone is in in outer space already and you have to go like to the moon or something like you're training people to go to the moon but like so you're like you know on like survivor like they kick people out of the island you go out the airlock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's cutthroat. Him. Yeah, you just leave them. <laughs> Life or death. You see, I feel like this is this has uh, ties to The Apprentice, but the person who wins needs to have Donald Trump be like, "You're fired," and then and then they launch him into space. Like it's just <laughs> it lends itself perfectly to that. <laughs> oh, there you go. This is the perfect. Now, I, example. I love the idea, especially because. Uh... Go ahead, Eric. Oh, oh yeah, this is a perfect example of a three-star idea, but with, but not an insult. Only because, three. Well, okay, yeah. So three stars would mean this is a show. Like a hundred percent. There's nothing about <laughs> it that says this is yeah. Like we should all just go. Mm-hmm. Like why is this not on Amazon Prime with Jeff Bezos who owns that. There's no reason. So that now is this is this going to yeah. be like a transcendent show? No. Is this going to be a great show? Maybe, but for sure it's it deserves to be on TV. Like if you knew a TV producer, yeah. you like I have I see no reason why if you if you knew how to how to get a show on TV and sold to Amazon, you would you would be selling this show. I I I think. I don't. I don't have those connections. So, if anybody is listening that has those connections, just yeah, let me know. I. I. Out of all the ideas, I bet you, Scott, your idea happens within a year. I. I hope yeah. so. I think it's a fantastic I, I've had, idea. I've had it forever, and I've just. I've just been waiting for the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. The, the to right share podcast. To the world. I, <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, so I, I have I have a, an idea that that kind of morphs this just a little bit, or or maybe adds a layer to it, because I feel like you could break it off and do, um, for the same show. It's exactly the same show, but there's v- different versions of it because there is the super hyper nerdy 
kid who wants to be astronaut or a kid who wants to go into aerospace, there could be a version of the show that shows all of the nitty gritty that they have to go through that shows all the details of like them pulling knobs and like, I've got to learn all of this. And then there's the like survivor nut that doesn't want to see any of that. And they want to see the drama and they want to see the people crying in the back. And there's that, that part of the show. And like, it would be so awesome if you could tune into either version of that and you get whatever type you want to see. And at the end, it's still someone going to space and you saw a really cool reality show. I like that. Yeah. That's, that's huge. It's almost like it. Yeah. I think that's one thing I liked about big bang theory is like, there is definitely some nerdy stuff going on in there. So when does this show get its HGTV spinoff where it's like flipping, flipping a space satellite? Uh, I thought you were going to say decorating the ISS. Yeah, well, you got to sell it. You got to buy, buy, buy a foreclosed satellite, dress it up and resell it. It needs shiplap everywhere. Shiplap. <laughs> shiplap everywhere. <laughs> Get rid stick of a hardy plank radio. on the outside of uh, satellites. Oh yeah, that that does this does work into Steven's uh, pirate radio idea from way back seventy episode seventy seven. Yeah, another great idea. I I love it. I like that because that would because if Steven was on it, that would be his like you know how they always do like a mini episode of like of, of like the background of like why this person deserves to be there and that kind of stuff because that, that would be steven's background i'd be that guy who's like i'd be up there and i've i, sm- I smuggled on my little pirate radio satellite <laughs> open the door throw it out into space close the door real fast <laughs> i like that idea i like this idea a lot scott yeah that's yeah, it, uh, it, it needs to happen i and i'm i yeah it it needs to happen. So if you know anybody, Between, you know, send them my way. Is that? Do, do you I guys think know there's how to three or four billionaires up? with spaceships? Do, do y'all know how to tie stuff up with intellectual property? Because this idea and the uh, the automatic, <laughs> like they're simple. <laughs> <in> <laughs> I mean, you, oh, you probably don't want to put your life into either of those, but you'd love to make a a dollar off of everyone. I mean, we have timestamps on when this comes out, so at least you know people will know that Scott came up with this idea. Mm-hmm. And there will be a lot of uh, your welcomes. Yeah, you're uh, yeah. you're welcome, world. So let's wrap up this podcast because I'm really looking forward to the late night as seen on TV automatic. 2000. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a wonderful infomercial. That would. Uh, Are are there questions in the chat? Or ideas? I I don't think we have any. uh, No, I don't think there's actually any ideas in the chat. I think there was a lot of commenting on ideas. Yeah, a lot of people are riffing on what we were saying, though. Oh. Um, Fancy, fancy, Steven really likes. the uh, combo star rating with Eric and and the above average Joes, though. Yeah, cool. Thank you. So, Scott and Eric, thank you so much for coming on this. I think we're at like an hour and a half long uh, podcast. 
But um, like we did last year, um, y'all will have to come back again. Yeah, we'll hit you up in like a year. We'd love to come back. <laughs> All right, so Parker's gone full robot again. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that, Scott, would you like to uh, sign us out? Yeah, that, that was a Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts. Oh, they were their hosts. <laughs> we had the wrong thing written there, so sorry. Well, they were our guests. <laughs> All right, we were guests, Scott Hansen and uh, Eric Benzenhofer. And uh, we were your host and Stephen Craig. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs>